0: I don't know why the balloon would go directly to Infant Island. Well, that's the way the wind was blowing, I guess. I guess. (laughs) I'll tell you why. Because if (laughs) if the weather balloon dropped him in the ocean and he got eaten for no fucking reason, that'd be a huge bummer. And that's not (laughs) the vibe of this movie. (laughs) That's true. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Castle Bravo, a Godzillaverse retrospective. I'm Derek. And I'm Charlotte. And we're two siblings here to examine the history of the Godzilla franchise one movie at a time. Charlotte. Hey. How are we doing today?
1: Uh, it's been an eventful couple of weeks for me, but I'm all right.
0: Yeah, things have been, things have been a little heavy on, on y'all's end. Yeah. this is uh, We're recording uh, on the weekend after Thanksgiving, uh, which is a, a holiday built on horrible horrible historical events but Mm -hmm. makes a great excuse for overworked lower middle class americans to finally see their families for the first time in months so you know (laughs) bad with the good yeah yeah (laughs) um yeah, I don't know. Things have been fine over here. We're we're making it work. Uh, things are a little crazy. We've got some some house guests living with us uh, that you're familiar with, and mm-hmm. you know that means my personal space is a little tighter than it normally would be. But like, I don't know if I could call myself a friend if if I was gonna be like, no, right, when friends are in need. So right, right. you know, it's how it do. It's the mm-hmm. burden of us all being broke. Right, broke ass, broke ass motherfuckers. Well, so. I hung out
1: with my mom for the yeah. first Thanksgiving in actual years because of how, COVID. So. Yeah, I was
0: gonna say, how
1: how'd that go? That went fine. I mean, yeah. we just kind of ate, and she was like, "I'm tired." <laughs>
0: like, yeah. <laughs> all right. <laughs> okay, mom. <laughs> yeah, I um, I get that. I get that. I you know, I hadn't seen my parents, and well, for me, it was only like a couple months, not a couple years, but. Uh, you know, mom, mom was over, and uh, yeah, you know, it was it was good, it was good. Yeah, that's good. So, um, that's all I got. We w- we want to talk about a movie. We want to yeah. talk about a surprisingly good movie. Extremely good movie. I'm I'm I've given up on trying to hide how we feel about movies before we talk about the movies. Uh, I feel good about this one. Uh, I I was so worried about moving away from Ishiro Honda. For the first time since Godzilla Raids again, which we didn't like very much. Yeah, Um, but things worked out better this time so far. Yes. So far on Castle Bravo, we've talked about kind of, you know, Honda doing all of these pulp sci-fi movies and building up uh, eventually a sort of shared universe around them that is, is slowly becoming centered around Godzilla Uh, You know, we had Godzilla, we had Rodan, we had Mothra, uh, you know, King Kong versus Godzilla, Mothra versus Godzilla, uh, Ghidorah the Three-Headed Monster. There's been a bunch of other sci-fi movies like Gorath and Matango that aren't like specifically connected yet, but become connected later kind of retroactively. Um, We had this long history of Toho trying to make... Not just like more King Kong movies, but also Frankenstein movies, weirdly. So like in season two, we've had two different movies built on their concept of Frankenstein. That was Frankenstein versus Berrigan and then War of the Gargantuas. One of those two was good. Um, It's Mm -hmm. been this really interesting, like I think what we're going to see early in this season is despite the fact that Godzilla became kind of the centerpiece of their ongoing pulp sci-fi like blockbuster efforts they really did want to try and diversify um they wanted to try to make more movies with king kong they finally succeeded in getting something frankenstein out the door and and got a sequel to that like they didn't want this to just be the godzilla show um but circumstances kind of end up pushing them even further in that direction until they drop all pretense of (laughs) Them doing anything but Godzilla. Mm -hmm. Um, So today we're talking about Ibira Horror of the Deep, which is also known as Godzilla versus the sea monster. Uh, This is a movie a lot of Americans have seen. It was very popular on VHS. It was one of those is one of a handful of Godzilla movies you could reliably find on VHS in like the 90s. So a lot of people in our generation growing up, going to like Blockbuster and, you know, places like that have probably seen this one. Uh, but this I hadn't. is yeah, this is a, a big changeover. It's kind of hard to avoid talking about this. Uh, and I wouldn't want to because it, it makes such a difference in, you know, the feel and tone of the movie. But we have changed our entire creative team. For the first time, uh, I think in Castle Bravo history, none of the big three, none of the dream team are on this movie because even Godzilla Raids again had Subaruia overseeing the visual effects, um, and and you know, the kind of a lot of the action sequences, right? But this time around, uh, the uh, this movie is directed by Jun Fukuda who worked as an assistant director for Honda a few times. So acquainted, right? Like this is somebody who has worked with and under Honda some. Um, The special effects are still credited to A.G. Tsuburaya, but Tsuburaya really didn't have much to do with the film. It was actually most of the effects work and most of the uh, like cooperation on the action sequences was done by uh, effect supervisor Sadamasa Arikawa, who I didn't find a lot of information about. Um, I, I don't I don't know that I would say that he's like an understudy, but again, he was he was his work was still sort of overseen by Subarya. Subaraya was just much more hands off with this movie. And what's interesting is switching out Honda and Subaraya for Fukuda and Arikawa, Like, this movie has a very different sense of cinematography. Its action sequences are directed very differently. The set pieces are built differently. Like, you can tell immediately this is a different creative team. And then the score for the movie, which I thought was very good and very memorable, and we'll talk about that more later, Mm -hmm. was done not by uh, Akira Ifukube, who has been on, it feels like, almost every movie we've done so far, But by Masaru Sato, who actually did the score for Godzilla Raids again. Um, And I think we talked back on Godzilla Raids again. Correct me if I'm wrong. We weren't we didn't feel the score in that movie like it just didn't feel present. So it was actually really interesting to read that this is that same composer uh, because this this movie has musical personality. I feel like it does. Yeah. Yeah. Like like a shocking, colorful level of personality. But um, you know, we, we we can talk more about how these changes made us feel as we get into the movie. But let's uh let's go ahead and kick it over to you. You can tell us what what happens in this movie.
1: A lot, and it's a ride, but like slash pause, it's a ride.
0: Yeah, it, I told you in the DMs that this director is, aside from his work on Godzilla, primarily known for like spy thrillers. And it shows. Yes, it does. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So our story
1: begins with Kane, who is Yata's mom. Um, and that'll be important in a second. Uh, speaking to a medium trying to find where her son Yata went because she can't believe that he's dead. And allegedly he died in a boat wreck in the, in the southern seas. Uh, but the medium keeps saying, oh, I can't find your son. In the afterlife. I don't know where he is. Um, and so Yata's brother, Ryota, decides that he's going to take it upon himself to figure out where his brother is. And he goes to the government for help, and they won't hear it, because it's like, okay, well, this guy died. So, like, what, why are you, what do you want us to do? Um, but when he further decides that he's going to take the situation into his own hands, he happens upon a sign for a dancing competition where he could win a boat. And a boat's just what he needs to find his brother. So he decides he's going to go join this dancing competition. But he gets there like three days too late and realizes, okay, well, I can't win
0: this boat. This dancing competition has been going for 72 hours straight. People are dying out there. (laughs) I love it's like, hey, I can do this dance competition and then it hard cuts to this big dance floor where they're playing the most 60s ass music and there's a bunch of Japanese teenagers in bright 60s attire just free dancing around the room trying not to stop as it's like it's it's almost like like surf rock yeah and I was like oh god the the motherfucking 60s is here (laughs) <laughs> yeah this is this is 1966 we're in the back half of the 60s but Ishiro Honda did not know what the 60s were Ishiro Honda had never heard of the 60s that's true and yeah. June Fukuda Jun Fukuda lives in the fucking 60s <laughs> this man was doing drugs and blowing out backs like there's <laughs> no question yeah it's impossible to imagine anything else <laughs>
1: Uh, so these two guys, Ichino and Nita, uh, they both fall out of the competition and like genuinely they fall over because they've been dancing for three days straight. They pass out from exhaustion. And they like limp over to the table and sit down Um, and they see Ryota there, who's just kind of staring off into space trying to figure out what to do. And they all get to talking and they're like, you know what, we could... We could show you the shipyard nearby. And so they go and they do that. Just dudes being dudes. They go to the shipyard.
0: Dudes ride right, uh, three, three, three young dudes get in a convertible and drive off to look at some yachts. Yeah.
1: I mean, why not? And then dudes being dudes, they just get into one of the yachts. Just walk <laughs> on board. Walk it's fine. Yeah. Um, and they look around for a little bit. And they're like, yeah, this is,
0: this is a pretty nice yacht. Yeah. Is this your boat? No. Okay.
1: Well, well, the owner, quote unquote owner, is is laying down with a with a rifle, and is just like, you, you know what, you, you all can just stay in this boat overnight, but you need to leave afterward.
0: Yeah, he's like, are you trying to rob my boat? And they're like, no. And he's like, okay, no. you can you can spend the night then. Yeah, while holding a gun. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> just, just don't try to rob my boat. <laughs> and
1: so everybody they they all go to bed, but kind of cut short when when they all wake up and they realize hey i think i think the boat's moving and they go outside and ryota's just sailed the ship out of port
0: jack the just, fucking boat he's like congratulations he i have abducted the three of you to help me search for my brother <laughs> out on the open seas
1: <laughs> just and his whole like his reasoning for it, just like well this is like a boon right like like I was I was, I was put on this boat for a purpose to find my brother. I can't let this go to waste, so we're going right now.
0: Casually committing grand theft bodo <laughs> and kidnapping three people.
1: Well, that's the thing because then the radio turns on and states that the boat that they're in was stolen from an American along with four million yen. The guy that was on the boat also did not own the boat. His name's Yoshimura, and he's a bank robber. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So, <laughs> a twist that means nothing, by the way, other than to establish that this dude, casually a bank robber, also not supposed to be on this boat.
1: Right. So they just all stole on this boat, actually. <laughs> uh, so the boys at Yoshimura are inside, everybody but Ryota, and they're all discussing, like, we should probably just do whatever Ryota wants so we can sail the ship back home and get on with our lives now. Uh, but while they're discussing this, Ryota sees just choppy waters on the horizon. It's Like, we'll be, we're going to crash this boat. If we don't do something, we got to figure something out. Turns out and none so, of us are good at boat. Right. Uh, so they the storm approaches them and starts just throwing the boat around. But then a huge claw
0: emerges from the water and just capsizes the boat. Oh, I love this. I love that shot. The first shot you see of Abira's claw out of the water. Excellent sense of scale, excellent special effects work. That looked fucking great.
1: Yeah, it did. And honestly, what I was thinking about at the time was like, imagine that you're like Nita or Ichino, and you're just helping this dude out that you found at a a dancing competition. Yeah, you're just just being bros
0: because that is what your nature is. And you go on
1: this yacht just to look around at it, basically get kidnapped. Also, there's a bank robber there. And now the boat you were on gets destroyed and you all wake up on an island.
0: Yeah, hey, but let's like, be fair, let's be fair. Bank robber's pretty chill. As far as bank yeah. robbers go, he's not like threatening to kill them or anything. He's just like don't tell anybody <laughs> I have this <laughs> <Basically>. money. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, no longer have island. this money. <laughs> right. And Yoshimura is kind of a little sad about that. He's just like, well now my stolen money's gone. And then one of the boys is like, what was in that briefcase? And is just like, something we can't use here anyway, let's just go. Like the chillest guy that just lost four million yen. I'm so sad for him. <laughs> it's hard not to root for him. Uh, so they start climbing up a nearby cliff face, and on the way up, they find a sword, and they're like, there's a sword on this cliff face. This island must be filled with cannibals. That is the only explanation. <laughs>
0: Nobody introduced them to LARPing. Right. (laughs) Um, Walk into a Renaissance fair and just be like, (laughs) It was the 60s.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So they all get up the cliff face, find like their weight in bananas and other fruit, and just decide to eat all of it right then and there. Because, I mean, they're hungry. Don't ration food. No. So they just eat it all, their whole weight in fruit. And... They look through the trees and everything, and there's a boat that's appeared and dropped anchor. And then they they just kind of look off to the side of the boat, and there's a whole military base on this island. And the guard commander steps off this boat, and he has the baddest dragon eye patch.
0: Yeah. Minor detail, minor detail. As the mm-hmm. boat's coming in, they are spraying this like intensely bright yellow stuff all over the place as it comes in it's coating the boat it's all over the water around them it's it's like it almost looks like it's a pollution boat and that's its one job
1: right now the first scene that i saw the boat um it didn't look the brightest yellow to me somehow so i was just kind of like i guess it's just doing something to the size of the boat i don't know yeah so i didn't pay it a lot of
0: a lot of attention it's an at first. unexplainable yellow spraying boat yeah and then uh, fucking Majima steps out.
1: Right. Basically, he steps out and uh, some barrels of something called X-13 are handed off to the docked boat. And meanwhile, just so some islanders that they took as slaves just step off this boat. And some of them try to run to run away, as, as you would, um, but they get shot at. And... Some of them actually managed to get to like a little a little boat and try to paddle from shore, but then Ebira
0: appears and destroys the boat, kills them. And and like plucks them out of the water and eats them.
1: Yeah. Just grabs them.
0: Yeah, Godzilla getting, what was it? Um War of the Gargantuas was our first time seeing a monster eat a person? Mhm. And we're now seeing that again and it kind of feels like these movies are willing to push their boundaries a little bit more out of that like comfort zone. but yeah, Ibira sure does just like kind of with his little he's got like a big claw and then he's got a little long thin claw and he kind of got uses, a
1: crushed claw and a stabby claw.
0: Yes, yes and he takes <laughs> his stabby claw and he just kind of like like gently like tweezers them out of the water and, and plops them into his mouth uh, yeah and it's it's very like uh. uh Awful yeah. giant shrimp monster.
1: And of course, the, the military personnel are like, see, you can get away from us, maybe, but you can't get away from Abira. So you may as well just stay here. Um, now, one woman does manage to escape, and her name's Dio. Uh, and realizing that some people have escaped, the commander is told to really just release a search balloon. So the boys happen to run across Dio and they let her know that they're friendly. And right about the time this happens, the search balloon finds them, and people show up and start chasing them down, and they hide on a on a cliff face to escape. It is some Scooby-Doo shit.
0: Oh, there's a lot of good <laughs> Scooby, and I mean good Scooby-Doo shit in this yeah. movie. Also, can we get a vibe check on Dio? Dio fucking rules, right? Yeah, yeah. No, so- She hasn't thing- done shit yet, but she fucking rules in this movie.
1: yeah. And I I was going to get into it a little bit more later, but one of the things I really
0: like about this movie is that everybody does something. Yeah. There's nobody who's just completely fucking useless. Dio does shit. And in a lot of movies, she would just be the hot chick who's along for the ride. Right. And she performs actions. She does. And she makes decisions for everybody at times where she knows what the right thing to do is. Like, she's a whole ass member of the ensemble. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. She does more than the two the two goofballs who were in the dancing competition, honestly.
1: Yeah, more or less. I mean, one of them does kinda create a slave revolt, but
0: the Yeah, know. well that's true. That's true. And that's <laughs> that's pretty fucking great of him, so Yeah. We'll get to that. Yeah. So
1: another storm rolls in. Uh Dio's praying for, for Mothra to come. And she reveals that she's from Infant Island. And our, our boy Ryota, the first thing he asked was like, hey, were there any Japanese people on Ryota, on, on uh, Infant Island? I almost call it Ryota Island. Um, <laughs> on Infant Island? And she's like, yeah, there's one person named Yata there. So, somehow our boy has managed to like stumble into this, this, stumble onto this island after having stolen a boat, found like the one person that would know where Yata is and now knows where Yata is. So, I thought that was cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, But she goes on to explain that Red Bamboo, this terrorist organization, is set up based on the island and has been abducting people as slaves. And Mothra is asleep and can't hear
0: their prayers right now to come save them.
1: And like Mothra is just trying to sleep. Mothra, Mothra you know what? It's hard
0: not helping out in the last Godzilla movie. That's right. I said it. Damn, okay. Continue.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So everyone's discussing what to do next in this cave, right? And they look over the side into the pit in the cave. And Godzilla is just laying there. And at the moment, they don't know like if Godzilla is like alive or asleep or what. But Godzilla is there. And they go, oh, you know what? We can't stay in this cave. Godzilla's in this cave. <laughs> so they decide that they're going to infiltrate the base and then find a way to get off the island. Um, and Yoshimura earlier was just kind of whittling in the boat. And he actually made a skeleton key. And he just, he's like, all right, well, I got the skeleton key. We'll get inside. And they do. They, they just go inside. They get, like, this fake bush set up and, like, a, a bird and everything as a distraction. And they just kind of scooby-doo their way in.
0: This movie, um, one of the messages of this movie is, unironically, aren't you so glad that we brought this criminal along?
1: Yeah, no, he's like... Everybody does something, but he does the most.
0: He's deeply helpful. He's he his yeah. his his being a criminal is a positive thing for this movie.
1: Yeah, I mean, you have to bring a rogue with you. Yeah,
0: it's, is the real thing, that, you know? and that's <laughs> how this movie treats it. He's just he's the party rogue. There's no moral judgment on this dude. He's not a scumbag. He's a decent guy. He's just a yeah. bank robber. That's you know, man. Everybody's got to make their money.
1: Yeah. Now, I mean, he does
0: come off as being really cold
1: because he's like I've been in a lot of situations but I don't get into anything I can't get out of he's kind of a grizzled like like
0: veteran bank robber is his attitude yeah
1: so they're wandering around this base right and they determine just off of some context clues that the base is manufacturing heavy water which is used for creating nuclear weapons and I wasn't actually 100% sure what heavy water was so I had to look it up but I was gonna say, is find- it is it
0: is it something they use in the creation of or is it like a runoff? I don't know a lot about nuclear reactors, which shouldn't come as a big surprise.
1: Yeah. I feel like I had to look it up again.
0: I don't know. It's some it's some nuclear reactor shit.
1: Right. Hold on. I went to look it up, but there were like a hundred thousand ads. So I couldn't actually read anything. Helpful. That was really weird. Yeah. Anyway, it's some nuclear reactor shit.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love that. That's just where (laughs) we circled back to. Fuck it. We don't want to do research anymore. (laughs) Nuclear reactor shit. Continue with the plot. Dead
1: air. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's all they do in the the story. Is they're just like it's some nuclear reactor shit.
0: Yeah, June Fukuda doesn't know anything about nuclear reactors either. (laughs) <laughs> this man knows fucking surfing and babes and spy shit. Those are the three things this man knows. It's true, yeah. Uh, so they
1: find this room and it's full of like smoke bombs and wires and everything and the base is full of all this like futuristic tech stuff. Um and I thought it was funny because they go into this next room and the in Yoshimura the first thing he does is he gravitates towards the vault door cuz he's like there's a door I can crack this door. Like there, are, there are other entrances and exits to this room. But he's got to know what's like, up with the vault door. But he's got to know what's in the vault door.
0: So it's professional curiosity.
1: Yeah, so he goes up to it. Uh, he manages to crack it. He opens it up, and like he's like, "All right, everybody, get in." It is a nuclear reactor. So they're <laughs> just like, "Oh crap!" So they like. They back out of there as, as fast as they can because he just spent all this time cracking this door. It was just a nuclear reactor.
0: Good news, everybody.
1: Fuck. <laughs> yeah. So they're like, all right, never mind that. So they get to, you know low to the ground. They're sneaking around and everything. Immediately caught by the guard commander.
0: Oh, my God. This, and this, this shot Modima is guy. so great because they're like crawling around and the camera angles all low and then they stop and they look forward and the camera pans up and there's feet and then there's the rest of him yeah (laughs) it's like again some truly Scooby-Doo shit yeah Uh,
1: but Yoshimura throws a smoke bomb and everybody everybody runs away Uh, and they go and they find disguises and they use big metal sheets to cover for everybody that doesn't have disguises and they just kind of waddle out holding these big metal sheets and it doesn't work for very long Um, they 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 do catch on to their little Scooby-Doo-roos, and I'm sorry to call everything Scooby-Doo. Here's the funny thing. I just looked it up because <laughs> I did have
0: to know. This movie does predate Scooby-Doo by three years. Does it? Yes. So, because I was like, maybe Fukuda just fucking loves some Hanna-Barbera cartoons, and I can't rule that out, but not Scooby-Doo because Scooby-Doo ain't real yet.
1: All right. I guess Scooby-Doo's on some Fukuda shit then. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so they get caught. Everybody uh, tries to get away, but Nita gets captured uh, and he ends up getting thrown in with the with the people that have been enslaved. Ryota manages to get tangled in
0: a balloon and flies away. And they're just like, is he going to be okay? And it's like, oh, he might make it to Infant Island. I don't know why the balloon would go directly to Infant Island. Well, that's the way the wind was blowing, I guess. guess. (laughs) I'll tell you why. Because if (laughs) if the weather balloon dropped him in the ocean and he got eaten for no fucking reason, that'd be a huge bummer. And that's not (laughs) the vibe of this movie. (laughs) That's true.
1: (laughs) But I just feel the need again to recap that Ryota went to a dance competition, found two guys that brought him to a shipyard, stole a ship with a bank robber in it was washed ashore on an island with the exact people that know where his brother is and is now tied up in a balloon headed directly to where his brother is.
0: Yeah. See, his plan worked out. <laughs> I guess. I'm failing I'm just to see to, like, a problem here.
1: This guy's just like the main character. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> everything just pushes him towards one thing, no matter what happens and he's just heading his way through
0: everything because he's just like, we gotta help these people, right? And he just runs toward them. I and mean, it's worth remembering he's got to be like what? Like 19 or something. Yeah. He's not like a mid-30s protagonist. This is this is a a guy who maybe has signed up for college. Yeah. Cuz cuz when we finally meet the older brother, he's only like in his early 20s. Right, right.
1: Like he's 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 a fisherman, but he's just He's,
0: he's a, a hard young guy. 23.
1: Yeah. So the other three that weren't captured or balloon flying away at sea uh, <laughs> go back to the cave that had Godzilla in it. And they listen for a minute and they realize that Godzilla's heart is still beating. And while this is going on, Nita, who was the one captured with the, with the Islanders, talks to them and they discuss the fact that they're making this yellow substance that keeps Evira from attacking the base and also the ship from earlier. And so, with that revelation, Ryota lands on Infinite Island, right in the middle of their ceremony to awaken Mothra. Not even just like in a random outskirts area of Infinite Island; he's right in the middle of middle everybody of the else. prayer
0: circle. What's up, everybody? I came he's in like, on a balloon.
1: Right, hi everybody! And then Yata's there, just like, hey, hey, brother.
0: <laughs> Real cool of you to drop in.
1: Right. Uh, this is where so I edit red- in a
0: rim shot. <laughs>
1: Right. Uh, Red Bamboo starts combing the cliff sides looking for the other three still hiding because they're like, well, we still got these people on the island. We got to take care of them. And Ichino, the other dancing boy, he's like, we got to find a way to wake up Godzilla. And Yoshimura just gives him this look. (laughs) But but Ichino's like, listen, Godzilla's intentions got to be better than Red Bamboo's, right? And he's got a point. So... He fashions the sword that they found and some wires that Dio stole. Yeah, she stole this gigantic
0: a coil of copper wire earlier in the warehouse and just plopped it around her neck like a necklace and they were like, stop accessorizing. And she was like, well, <laughs> you know, fuck you, I like this. But like, <laughs> it's it's just a massive coil of copper wire and it's probably heavy as shit.
1: Yeah, and she's been lugging it around the whole time. She's just been
0: trucking around with like 20 pounds of copper wire around her neck, climbing cliffs and shit. Again, Dio the real MVP. Right.
1: So they set up a lightning rod with a sword and all this wire, hoping to shock Godzilla awake. And I mean, there's there's no storm or anything right now, so they're just kind of waiting around, hoping.
0: Uh, to Tropical Island. Eventually there'll be a storm.
1: It, it's gotta be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, meanwhile, Nita is like, Hey, you all could just stop making this yellow liquid. You could just stop doing that. And all the 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 people that were enslaved are just like, you know what? That that's actually a good idea. What the hell? So they just start shoving all everything over, like getting rid of all the the fruit and everything they're they're using to make the yellow liquid. They're
0: gonna use the leaves instead and make a fi- right. a yellow liquid that has none of the chemicals in the fruit that Ibira hates so much. Right. So they're gonna have, you know, yellow liquid, but it's just not gonna work. Right, right.
1: Uh, So back on Infant Island, the Shobijin send Ryota and Yata off with some of the yellow liquid to fend off Ebira and a message to tell everyone on the island to make a huge net and wait for them. And so they start on their way back. Meanwhile, a storm appears, which is good news for for them trying to wake up Godzilla, but it's horrible news for Ryota and Yata because they're out at sea still. And so Ebira does appear, as they're heading back to the to the island with everybody else on it. And they they are just trying their hardest to swim to shore. And the storm is a thunderstorm, so lightning does strike the sword, and it wakes up Godzilla. So Godzilla wakes up, and the first thing it does is it goes up to Evira, and it picks up a giant rock, and they just play volleyball with it for a <laughs> while.
0: Like, you might be inclined to believe that that is... A simplification, but Godzilla wakes up, walks out to the beach, sees a Bira coming into shore, chasing after the two dudes swimming to shore. And Godzilla's like, fuck that guy, and picks up a rock and throws it at him. And they just play Legend of Zelda fucking light ball tennis for a while.
1: Yeah. And they, they actually do it with, with two different rocks and the second one. When Godzilla is like, "All right, I'm tired of this now," and like smacks it away, it hits one of the red bamboo t- uh, towers. It just fucks up
0: the guard tower. Yeah,
1: um, <clears throat> and that of course alerts Red Bamboo to what's going on. But then Godzilla and Ebirah have their first fight, and you know Godzilla is blasting Ebira with breath, but gets pulled underwater and then just starts smashing Ebirah in the face with a rock until Ebirah runs away. As you do. I mean I would. Yeah, I mean that's if I was Godzilla, I would just start beating it with rocks. Small I guess, thing,
0: yeah. I, I feel like this is intentional, but um the mm. first time because Godzilla only uses his breath a couple times in this movie. Um and the first yeah. time he uses it on Ibira and gets like a really good hit and really scorches him, Ibira like flips backward from the from the pressure of it and goes underwater yeah. for a while. And when he comes back up, he's like bright red.
1: Yeah, yeah, that does What
0: a great little detail.
1: Yeah. So, Ryota and Yada are reunited with the gang on the island. And, of course, the first thing that Yada says is like, oh, those people are in trouble. We should go. And, like, tries to run off because, you know, Ryota and Yada are clearly related. Yeah.
0: Not a (laughs) brain cell between the two of them. I love these fucking himbo idiots.
1: (laughs) So, they're all, like, hunched down in a, in a bush and they're talking about what to do next but there's a there's a hidden microphone in there and so red ba- red bamboo hears what they're going to do uh and they come out and chase them away until Godzilla shows up and just kind of sits down with DIO just sits down
0: he's just and like hey lying. that's I'll- interesting that's a lady what up yeah. he didn't do anything he's it's- just kind of sitting there looking like you're yeah. curious
1: yeah, and like Dio is trying to to seem as small as possible the whole time, like you can really tell, and being careful not to move at all. But it was like, it was weird. It wasn't like <clears throat> uncomfortable vibes in in so much as anything except like that as a big creature staring yeah. at you. but it was kinda, especially it given just sat we down.
0: just not that long ago covered the 1970s King Kong on uh, on another pass. Mm-hmm. And, and that was a movie that was very much like, hey, what if we took King Kong in the darkest and creepiest direction possible? Right. And, and there's very much more in innocence to this. Godzilla's really just kind of curious and looking and very captivated by this very tiny, very hot woman. He doesn't yeah, know what to do. Like, I wouldn't either. I, know, I get work.
1: it. Yeah. And while just sitting with Dio, a giant bird shows up. just a a big bird bird. (laughs) just flies it like directly into godzilla's face just starts attacking godzilla
0: (laughs) this fucking bird i love (laughs) this is such a short meaningless inconsequential fight like i feel like they just had a hacked up old rodan prop that they needed they were like yeah what if we blew this up like basically cause yeah because it just but like it's actually a really good fight sequence because like it just comes in and is just flapping and pecking and scratching and is just in godzilla's face non-stop as godzilla's like oh god oh god it's in my it. like <laughs> this is a big bird." imagine if a goose flew into your face and that's exactly what happens yeah
1: <laughs> yeah i don't know where the big bird came from it's i don't know why it was there yeah, there's a <laughs> big, big bird. bird. <laughs> uh, so Red Bamboo has has scrambled their private air force that I guess they have and flies in to try to bomb Godzilla. And during all the confusion, the gang like comes up, grabs Dio, and runs away. And Godzilla, showing the most problem-solving skills that I've ever seen Godzilla show, is like, all right, I think these people with the Air Force, probably came from this base over here and just goes directly to the base in retaliation.
0: Yeah, Godzilla's... We will talk about a lot of this stuff. Godzilla's kind of very different in this movie, and one of those things is he's clearly much smarter than he had been before in a very casual kind of way.
1: Yeah, Godzilla has, like, a whole personality in this movie. Like, there's always been a, a hint of personality for Godzilla. And like the way that it reacts to things. But this Godzilla isn't just reacting to everything around it. It's making like decisions. He's curious.
0: He's tired. He's grumpy. Like grumpy is a great way to describe this Godzilla in a way that does not. Usually he is much hotter than that. Right. He is angry. He's seething. He's tearing shit up. And this Godzilla is like he got woke up from a nap and shit's going on around him. And there was a big a big shrimp and then there was a weird little lady and then there was a bird and now there's some jets and he's like not sure what the fuck he's doing about all this. Yeah, but he's going got to he's got to get this shit taken care of so we can go back to sleep.
1: Right, because no matter honestly what Godzilla does in this movie, I really think that it's kind of justified because if I was electrocuted awake, I'd probably fuck some shit up
0: too. Yeah.
1: Um, so Godzilla's attacking their base and the attacks on the base like this, the base is sitting above this cave that all the, the islanders are in that making the yellow substance from before and so this cave is starting to collapse Um, and the gang kind of passes by and Yata rushes in Yoshimura's trying to stop him because you know y- Yata is just a himbo yeah I, I'm not gonna yeah and yoshimura no is no better gone. way to I describe like, it you know yeah yeah um and godzilla is managing to break through all of red bamboo's defenses and in response to this red bamboo's like you know what i guess we have to set up set off the nuclear bomb like that that's just what we have to do sure fuck it okay all right no downsides to that right just okay you could just leave but okay so <laughs> Red Bamboo takes what they think is the proper yellow liquid, right? Yeah. From from the islanders and just abandons them to their fate in the cave. And our gang does manage to get in there and start escorting them back out through the base as it's destroyed. And then they realize that they have about two hours to either stop this nuke or escape. And Red Bamboo gets on this boat. Fuck y'all,
0: we're out of and- here.
1: Yeah, Nita is like, well, the yellow liquid is not going to work, and the yellow liquid doesn't work, and they're all killed by Abira. It's it's really, it's kind of fast, honestly, like, everyone just grabs this boat. Yeah, he just, <laughs> fuck. Like,
0: yeah. Abira, much better at destroying boats than the Gargantuas were. Yeah, just instant. Helps that he's a big crustacean.
1: Well, eventually we'll, we'll all turn
0: into crabs. but Yeah, it's the inevitable <laughs> yeah. outcome of all life on Earth.
1: That's right. So the gang's trying to deactivate this nuclear bomb, right? And the monsters are fighting outside. But all the, the Infant Islanders get together, and they, they all make this huge net because that's what they were told to do. They're just making a big net.
0: Don't question it. Make net.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So now they're at 20 minutes before detonation, and the ceremony on Infin Island to awaken Mothra continues while Godzilla and Ebira are fighting underwater and eventually Mothra wakes up and immediately heads towards the island. Oh, shit. Yeah, like something's going down. I gotta go.
0: Mothra realizes that she never set her alarm clock, and she has to be to work <laughs> in eight minutes. Listen, she... <laughs> <laughs> Am I wrong? <laughs> no. It's 100% the just, energy. <laughs> just
1: gotta... Bitch gotta get some sleep once in a I while, I get it. Okay?
0: Everybody, Ugh. look, God- Godzilla and Mothra's emotional arc in this movie... Both boils down to can a bitch get some sleep?
1: Exactly. We've saved
0: the world so many times. <laughs>
1: so, as I said, Godzilla and Ebira are fighting. And then my favorite part during the fight happens and Godzilla just rips Ebira's arms off and starts playing with Ebira's claw. Just full on pulls the Who arms clean off. amongst us has never fucked
0: with the crab claws at it's dinner? True.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. So, Mothra shows up, and Godzilla and Mothra are having this conversation, right? Like, without words, but they're clearly talking to each other. And Godzilla is clearly upset and attacks her, but kind of gets bodied for it. So, (laughs) everyone gets this giant net together for Mothra to carry them off in. And Mothra starts carrying them off in this big net. And while they're being carried away, everybody's crying back to Godzilla that that it needs to escape. And they, they, they note that Godzilla's like only ever tried to help them out of the situation, despite kind everything. Kind of
0: accidentally, but yeah.
1: Accidentally, but you know, can't be that bad of a, of a guy, right? But Godzilla does manage to escape just in time by doing like a, a cannonball into the ocean nearby. And they're all flying off in this big net being held by Mothra. And Ichino goes, this isn't the end of nuclear warheads. The future is in the hands of people who use them now. And Yoshimura's like, you know, maybe I'll go straight after all. And, you know, they all laugh. Godzilla returns to the sea Mothra flies
0: them away. And that's the end of the movie. Yeah. The, the movie had an the ending. Movie, well, that's how you know this wasn't a Honda joint. Right. The movie had an ending. <laughs> <laughs> oh. God, this movie fucking ruled.
1: I'm so This good. movie,
0: this, yeah, just this movie fucking ruled. Um, let's briefly talk about the monsters. Um, well, not briefly, because there's, there's a lot of fun shit to talk about, honestly. So let's start with Godzilla. Uh, Godzilla is using the same suit that he's used for the last movie or two. So he doesn't look drastically different, although I do think that Fukuda and Arikawa's like the way that they want to film and utilize Godzilla is very different from the way that Subaria did and and Honda did. Right. Like, there's a lot more of these very slow non-action shots of Godzilla just kind of walking around, you know, or standing upright, you know, outside of the context of being in the middle of an attack or attacking something. Um, right so the suit ends up being it kind of looks a little baggy right like yeah. Yeah. And, and maybe that's because Subaraya would usually try to get you know help Honda to get camera shots that avoided showing as much of like the sides of the suit from the front in non-action yeah. sequences yeah yeah but uh like it's fine at this point because we know it's a dude in a suit so I'm not gonna freak out because the sides below a little bit like a t-shirt that's slightly too big um,
1: yeah and I mean like in, in this movie it also had the scene where like Godzilla's just chilling
0: yeah yeah. just kind of sitting down he just, he just you know? sits down and he vibes and he looks at pretty lady and he's like well that's interesting
1: right but I mean like the, the way that the suit looks like it looks kind of natural to be sitting down yeah. like that but that's just a shot you wouldn't get it's a suit normally. that
0: is despite the fact that it's it's one of Subaraya's designs right so this is not Arikawa's design like mm-hmm. Arikawa and Fukuda are doing more with this suit than that Tsuburaya did not do. Um, and it's kind of good that the suit is as flexible and roomy as it is because, yeah, it let's Godzilla like sit down, you know, so yeah. in- intentionally rather than getting knocked on his ass. Right. So, um, yeah, it's just interesting to see, like, I don't want to say a softer side of Godzilla, but like a not blowing shit up side of Godzilla. Which we've not really had the breathing room for before now, right? Um, now I mentioned this to you a couple of days ago, I think. But a lot of what's kind of weird and different about Godzilla in this movie makes sense in retrospect, given this was originally a King Kong movie.
1: Yeah, you mentioned that, yes. and I'm just up, trying up to until reconcile that with the, the underwater. Yeah, scenes. up
0: until the eleventh hour, this was a King Kong movie, and. Obviously, parts of it get rewritten around the fact that it's Godzilla, but a lot of stuff makes a lot more sense if you just swap King Kong in. Why would Godzilla be woken up by electricity? Well, King Kong was awakened and powered up by electricity last time he fought Godzilla. Why would King Kong fight a shrimp monster from land by throwing a rock at it instead of just waiting out there and whooping its ass? Because King Kong's a monkey. Not an aquatic, you know, amphibious lizard monster. Uh, why would Godzilla have a little more okay. trouble with Ibira underwater, right? Because it would have been King Kong originally. And why didn't Godzilla on just on this r- island? Yes, that it's with fruit. Uh huh. Why would King Kong be? Why would Godzilla be so captivated by this pretty islander woman? Well, it would it would have been King Kong, right? Why why does Godzilla fight a nameless condor? Well, King Kong's been fighting a lot of random giant animals that aren't like kaiju. Why didn't Godzilla just stand there and roast Ibira with the atomic breath over and over again? King Kong couldn't do that. So it was never how the movie was supposed to go. You know, Godzilla is softer and portrayed more sympathetically, more intelligently, more everything. Oh, and also, like, why would Godzilla fight Mothra again? Well, because it was King Kong who didn't know what Mothra was. Right. So.
1: Was Mothra always going to be in it? Yes,
0: yes. Okay. Uh, so, it, basically, the original concept for this movie is, is, as far as I can tell and anyone can tell, largely unchanged other than swapping Godzilla into that position. So, yeah. Uh, You know, and a a lot of things make sense too. like, why was this not the dream team? Well, because originally they're working on a King Kong movie until some stuff changed around and they got Godzilla and weirdly Honda got King Kong for, I think, our next movie, although that's getting ahead of ourselves. So, yeah, and it's and it's kind of funny because I think a lot of this stuff about Godzilla in this movie carries forward in his characterization of making him kind of a softer and friendlier character. Mm. And it's like that completely by accident, really.
1: Yeah. <coughs>
0: Excuse me. So we've also got a Bira, who I remember as a as a kid thinking was lame as shit. Because it's just a big I thought it was a lobster. I didn't <laughs> you know. I mean you don't know Ebby is shrimp, so it's a giant shrimp. And as a kid, you think of shrimp or the things you eat. You don't realize that shrimp are predators in the wild, you know? Right, right. You hadn't heard of the mantis shrimp, you know? Um, but I really like Ibira's design. I really like a lot of the thought put into the construction of the suit, which I suppose would largely have been Arakawa, right? Overseen by Tsuburaya. But yeah, Abeer's yeah. suit is great. It... It is built to be utilized in the water. I'm sure there's a performer who's like legs are sticking out the bottom that you can't see, but excellently designed for that. I love the two different claws, which is very, you know, think of like a fiddler crab or something. It's, you know, it feels very naturalistic. Right. And then, yeah, the whole bit where it turns brighter red after being atomic blasted, you know, like a crab being boiled is just a nice touch. Yeah. And the, the the sequences where like beer is in the water and, and destroying ships and plucking people out of the water to eat them, you know, I think is really cemented like, okay, Abeer is not like a trash monster. It's actually really cool and very creepy. It just can't fucking hold a candle to Godzilla. And to be fair, right. that's increasingly becoming difficult when Godzilla's last opponent, his last two opponents were three-headed dragon Galactus. So, fuck's a giant right. shrimp supposed to do? Right. Um, I don't know if you have strong thoughts about Ibira.
1: I mean, it looked cool. Um, I think that I had questions about, like, why it was there, if it hated the island's fruit so much. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, as far as the design goes, no, nah, it's really cool. Yeah, like I'm liking this. this it, it was really dexterous with those
0: big claws. Yes. Well, we're kind of continuing that trend too of Showa monsters being very naturalistic, right? Yeah, yeah. This is just a big crustacean, right? Yeah. Not he doesn't have fucking laser eyes, or you know, he's he's just he's just a big crustacean, and that's what he does. Yeah. Um, I don't have a lot to say about Mothra. Like, it's Mothra, it's Mothra exactly as we've seen her before in a great small role that befits the character. I think it would have been interesting to have this be a King Kong movie. Like think of an alternate world where this was a King Kong movie. And now we have a King Kong and Mothra crossover. Right. That's why I was asking if Mothra was always going to be yeah. in it. Cause that would be unique. And, and like, that's where I kind of mentioned this at the beginning. If, if, if things had gone as planned and this had been a King Kong movie, you might have seen that you might not have seen things centralize around Godzilla so heavily, right? Sometimes it only right, takes one right. or two movies to really help, you know, change the trajectory of where things go, but ended up being a Godzilla movie. And so, you know, King Kong becomes kind of, kind of misses a shot at further relevance. Um, I am curious to watch, and learn about the next movie, which is King Kong Escapes, which is the last King Kong movie Toho will do. <coughs> because, like, is it is it bad? Like, why did they stop utilizing King Kong? Were there rights issues? What's up? I think mean, isn't King Kong like public domain at this point?
1: Probably. I mean, like, like Winnie the Pooh is
0: Well, that's a pretty recent thing, isn't it? um king kong public domain help me out google um yes 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 uh the character of no no maybe i'll i'll look at this shit for the next movie this is not actually a king kong movie so this does not matter (laughs) um and then yeah there's the giant condor which is the most out of nowhere and dead immediately nameless monster you were asking me if this had a name before we started and yeah, it's just big. bird. Yeah. And if you go, if you go, you know, place like Toho kingdom or wherever Rodan's roost, like the Godzilla fan pages back in the day that assembled like the lists of all the monsters and shit. Um, they would list. This as all Kondoru, um, which is just Japanese for large condor. So yeah. like that's big, bird. that's not a name. That's a description. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, But but I do like I like it. It it stands out to me. It's always one of the weirdly super memorable bits from Showa Godzilla for me, probably because it's used twice. Um, This this movie is one of two movies that get heavily spliced together to form a very, very bad movie coming up. So, almost every major monster plot beat from this movie, so the fights with Ibira, the bit with the Jets, and the bit with the Condor, will get reused entirely wholesale. Um, so, I, I probably remember, is, is well, because I saw it twice. But Is that the one we're doing with John? It sure the fuck is. It's the bad one. Oh Godzilla's God. Revenge. Okay. <laughs> uh, but... Yeah. I don't I don't have trivia for this movie beyond what we've already talked about, right? Like it's a it's a new yeah. a new trio doing this movie. It was originally a King Kong movie. Uh, you know, think about how things might have been different had things been another way. What's really interesting is that all of the water scenes with Godzilla and Ibira, like obviously the ones where they're waist deep in water together were actually shot in water, but even the underwater sequences um if i remember reading correctly were shot underwater like they just shot through glass panes at godzilla nebira um oh. being under the the big pool is what they call it uh which is that big giant ocean sound stage that toho has that they will use over and over and over again uh to great effect um as is their right yeah well, look, if, yeah. if you have a gigantic pool meant to simulate the ocean for filming, then you shoot every ocean sequence there, right? Like, that's, right. you know, you can control the conditions. It's great. It. Yeah, you have the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> so in your backyard. um, But yeah, now here's what gets fun is talking about the social and political messaging of this movie because I don't think this like it kind of goes back to trying to be a little bit more about nuclear power again. You know, the right. villains are are building a, you know, building like a a, a nuclear powered base where they assemble nuclear weapons. They set off an atomic bomb at the end. You know, the the threat is that the nuclear power is being distributed amongst because this is not like an, a, an enemy nation. This is just a lone terrorist cell. That assembles nuclear power for themselves. So in a lot of ways, this is almost the most true to like the original Godzilla and Rodan and a couple of those early Honda films where the point was like nuclear proliferation is bad and will spiral out of control. Uh, This is not very heavy about it, but it's the same theme. It's the same point, uh, which I find very interesting. I like that the villains are atomic armed terrorists exploiting indigenous peoples, right? They are like as bad as can possibly be. Um, the exploitation of indigenous peoples, another common through line in Honda work, right? Especially in regards to like Mothra. Right. Um the fact that they are not a rogue nation. They are, you know, an enemy nation. This isn't like the Chinese. It's A a terrorist group. They're bad people. We're not going to blame this on China or Korea or Russia or whatever. Um, Like, this is a new director, but it's somebody who seems to get and want to recreate a lot of the... The kind of ethos of Ishiro Honda within this movie. Right. Also, one of the heroes is a fucking bank robber, so...
1: Right. There is,
0: there is, and, and that's just like his job. That's, he could have been a taxi driver. He could have been anything. There was no real need for him to be a bank robber other than like picking one lock. Right. Mm-hmm. He's just right. a bank. That's just what he does. And he's a good dude about it. You'd get drinks after everything's over with. Yeah. There's a possibility that Fukuda fucking rules. Yeah. I,
1: Absolutely does. Yeah,
0: I wish I could find more about Jun Fukuda, but he, there's nowhere near as much biographical information about him as there is about like Shiro Honda. I'm presuming that he has a much less colorful history. Got into film. Yeah. You know, started yeah. working for Toho. You know, got got you know working under Honda, got to spin off and and start directing Godzilla movies on his own. Which it's good because Fukuda is going to be responsible for a lot of the upcoming movies this season. Pretty much, with one exception, every movie this season will be directed either by Ishiro Honda or by June Fukuda. Okay. Let me double check that I didn't just lie.
1: Is Godzilla's Revenge an exception?
0: <laughs> Godzilla's Revenge is Ishiro Honda. Oh. We'll get into that. That movie is what it yeah, is yeah. very intentionally. So it's not, you we'll know, see. give it give it give it a pass for now. But um so looking at the rest of what's coming up in season two, uh next we have um I think King Kong Escapes. Mm-hmm. Let me pull the list up. So next we have King, King Kong, Kong Escapes, Ex- which is Ishiro Honda. Uh, then we have Son of Godzilla, which is Jun Fukuda. Then we have Destroy All Monsters, which is Honda, and Godzilla's Revenge, which is Honda, and Space Amoeba, which is Ishiro Honda. Then we have Godzilla vs. Hedorah, which is Yoshimitsu Bano, which is also, like, maybe, I think, the only movie Bono ever actually directed, like, period. Oh. Not the only Godzilla movie. Like, the only movie he ever directed. He's not a very prolific person. Um, then the next three movies, Godzilla vs. Gigan, Godzilla vs. Megalon, Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla, are all June Fukuda. Before mm. we come back to finish the season out with Terror of Mechagodzilla, which is Ishiro Honda, and that's his last movie ever. So, Damn. yeah. But, like, Fukuda... Picks up some work. Fukuda does five Godzilla movies in this season. Um he does he does as many Godzilla movies this season as Honda does. Actually, more. One, two, three, four. Yeah. So. So it's a good thing that Fukuda fucking wow. rules. Because yeah, yeah. yeah, that could have very quickly gone a bad direction. So this is again increasingly obvious. Charlotte, do you think this movie's any good? I think this movie's great. Tell me about it.
1: Well, I think that this is. I think that I have like really strong feelings about some of the monsters. Like, you know, I really like Ghidorah and I like Mothra and stuff like that. Um, so I feel like that in certain ways, the movies that introduce them or are majorly about them hold a lot for me. But I think that this movie probably was the most entertaining movie from beginning to end that we've watched so far. Yeah,
0: this is this is a lot like Honda has a style that is very old school, like optimistic, speculative sci-fi. Right. And right. Jun Fukuda is here to bring some energy to this shit. Jun Fukuda handed everyone on set a monster, and said, "Let her fucking rip." And and I've right. got to respect that. This, in so many ways, feels like it's a different movie from the like Ghidorah, the three headed monster, and Invasion of of uh, well, and then a Invasion of Astro Monster. Both offer a consistent view of what the Godzilla franchise could be moving forward, and. Right. This feels like the first time we've gotten a clear, thought out, but differing interpretation of what Godzilla could be moving forward. And I like it every bit as much, just in a different way. Yeah, yeah. So, and it's good to see that, like, as we begin to lose the dream team, as Honda does fewer and fewer movies, as Ifakube is not always returning to do the score. You know, as Subaraya is more and more busy with other projects. Um, I mean, when does when does Subaraya Productions really? F- I mean, pro- fuck, it probably is already. Yeah, he founded Subaraya Productions in '63. Um The original Ultraman launched in 1966, so this year which is probably why he was not so available for this movie. So like super high is going to be busy as shit, like changing the face right. of Japanese television for nerds for, you know, decades. <laughs> so it's good to know that we can be left in good hands without the three that built the foundation of Godzilla. Yeah. yeah. And also that yeah. Fukuda fucking rocks. You got any final thoughts? No, I think we've
1: covered everything.
0: Rockin'. Well, that's a wrap on this episode. Thank you all so much for joining us on our journey so far. You can follow us for now on Twitter for more of our sparkling personalities. Don't know how long that's going to hold out. I'm at Derby City Derek. I'm at the Complex, and you can follow the show itself at Castle Bravo pod for production updates. Um, look, obviously shit is going on with Twitter and we're trying to distance. Everyone's trying to distance from the platform a bit right now um, as, as the future of the only social networking site that is quite like it is up in the air. We do not have a, a an alternate path to follow us for right now. Like I'm on hive right now, but is hive going to last? I don't know. Is Post going to actually be the one that makes it? Sure. Mastodon? Absolutely not. But, you know, we'll uh, we'll let people know when things actually yeah, we'll meaningfully change. I get the feeling what's going to happen is we're going to be probably personally using other sites like Hive more, but that Twitter will, will be kept around out of kind of obligation because of how large the install base still is, even if everyone fucking hates that website now. We always have, yeah. So, but yeah, that's 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 where you find us for now. Next week, we will be back with King Kong Escapes, which I was telling you uh, I had to splice our copy together off of a like an American television network broadcast because <laughs> it was <laughs> the only way to get a hold of a decent HD copy of the movie in English. Fuck, I'm getting tired of these old movies getting hard to get a, a hold of. <laughs>
1: I mean they should get easier as we as we yeah, go forward. Yeah. Well, there's now.
0: only one other non-Godzilla movie for the re- well, for the rest of Castle Bravo because we've got uh Space Amoeba coming up, which I wouldn't be surprised if I can find a decent copy of Space Amoeba, even if it's not like streaming anywhere. Um I wouldn't yeah. be too surprised. It's relatively notable, but after that, it's all Godzilla. All these movies have been on Blu-ray like They're going to be streaming somewhere or we can get Blu-rays. So, but we've rambled enough. That's what I got. Take care, everyone. Bye. Castle Bravo is a production of Derek Van Dyke and Charlotte Landale. All editing is performed by Derek Van Dyke. Special thanks to Kyrie Lamont for our art assets and to David Van Dyke for our theme song pools of memory.